Apostle Paul said, we are those who worship God in the spirit and we take no confidence in the flesh. From your own spirit, utter words that give him praise. Lift up your own incense to the Father. Bless him with your spirit.
for the churches in China. We cry for the churches in Afghanistan. We cry for the churches in Iran. The churches that are being persecuted. More than anything, they need you, Lord. Your church needs you, Lord. Come like a rushing wind and change their lives. Come like a rushing wind, transform my life. Come like a rushing wind, transform my life. Come like a rushing wind, transform my life. Say, come like a rushing wind, transform my life. Come like a rushing wind, transform my life. Oh,
service earlier so we'll start service at 9 30 so we know that the latest by 12 will be out of this place all right so from march the first week of march we will start service at 9 30 all right half past nine praise the lord so mark that down somewhere that there is a change in uh, service times uh, on Sundays uh, reason being uh, it gets hot in the day so it becomes very difficult for us to sustain longer periods of time and also uh, give people an opportunity to also enjoy their Sunday and do whatever they need to do prepare for Monday spend time with family and attend to things that they should attend so 9.30 we will start service alright from 9.30 to 12 p.m. all right so we're also giving the holy spirit time to minister into our lives and to have his work in us okay so from march okay march we'll have a change in service time so tell those that are not here uh, in case i forget to announce it again all right 
in case I forget to announce it again. I was going to forget today uh, until I checked the time and I was reminded. So 9.30 March, all right? Uh, next week, uh, weekend, next week, the, the, the weekend of the Friday, the weekend of the 31st, 1st February, we will not be here. We are going to Durban for healing meetings, all right? So we booked out a venue that side to host healing meetings. So I'll be going with May on Friday, all right? But on Sunday, I'll be back in church, all right? So it's only on that Friday that we will be ministering there. And then the other week, the other week, we'll be having uh, our seminar, all right, on life and ministry. Uh, okay, I'll explain, I'll explain what the seminar is about or later on. Praise the Lord. Uh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Um, okay, John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. So just do this, all right? At the end of the service, to remind me to uh, tell the, the brethren a bit about the <coughs> seminar. So normally, first week February we have our the finance convention, right? But I chose to move it further down so that I can make room for this seminar. Right, something the Spirit of God asked me to do uh, for for your sakes. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's 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 do John one, and, and then let's let's get into some stuff. All right. You notice this month we haven't really been teaching on any series, right? Except just teaching what the Lord is inspiring us to teach. But I. I want us to begin a new series today, all right? But I'll tell you in a few minutes uh, what the series is about. Uh, brothers and sisters, if you're going to have change in your life, your approach to life must change. Your approach to life must change. One of the things the Spirit of God has been ministering to me is that there is too much weakness and timidity amongst His people. There is a requirement for confidence and for boldness in dealing in the things of the Spirit. One without or without which it will be impossible to obtain results for our lives and for our destinies. I wanted to read you John 1, 14 to kind of begin something here. Are we there? John 1, 14. Please read it. Yeah. Mm. 
if we are going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, we must be full of what he was full of. You understand that? In other words, if we are going to have the same results that he had in his life, we are going to have to investigate and see what he was full of and have ourselves filled with whatever he was full of. And the Bible tells us that he was full of grace and truth. 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 Verse 16 says this, And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ because he was full of it. He was the administrator of grace, the administrator of truth. Every truth, every grace flows from Jesus Christ, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. It is grace that flows from him. It is grace that all of us require in order for us to advance in the ways of the Spirit, in the ways of the kingdom. Grace is an important factor in our lives. It is something, brothers and sisters, that the Bible helps us understand that without it, preservation cannot take place grace was what preserved one man from the tribulation that came upon the whole earth grace was the thing that saved a man in the heat of battle grace was what opened up Moses to the glory of God grace grace so Jesus was full of grace and truth. So we in our lives also must be full of grace and truth. And there is only one path to grace. There's only one path to grace. Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he shall exalt you. He humbled himself even unto death. Therefore God has highly exalted him. Grace is only given in the presence of humility. It is preceded by humility. Hallelujah. So when the Bible talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth, that means he was full of humility. His life exemplified humility. So our own lives as well must exemplify grace and truth. What is truth? The word truth is the word reality. It is that which is real. And Jesus was full of it. And Jesus was full of it. That behooves every single one of his children to follow the way of truth. To follow the way of grace until we are all full of it 
until it is operational in our lives. Grace is having not only favor with God, but the divine influence that works in a person's life, bringing forth the abilities of God, the glories of God, the strengths, the powers, the mercies of God. So you need grace, and not just grace, but to be filled. You see, the spirit realm, the spirit realm, the realm in which God functions in, requires the ornament or the presence of grace for it to move in favor with you. No alignment takes place in any nation amongst any people except there be grace except grace is found in a place the laws of alignment cannot work grace is the force that works to align the destiny of god for man with man so you need grace one of the ways to get grace is to pray for it is to seek the lord for it moses said if i have found grace in thy sight show me your glory if i have found grace in thy sight let thy presence go with me grace is what moves god into action what moves god in your life the absence of the activities of god in our lives is direct proof that grace is not operational as it should for if grace operates god will be active so you study the lives of men with whom God had granted grace, had granted favor, whose eyes had shone on them in kindness and mercy. You see a pattern, a pattern that God took them from promotion to promotion. He said, we have received grace for grace, grace for grace. It is required that grace must increase. The Bible says, grow in grace, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is what helps you face the battles of life. Is what helps you not only face, but conquer the battles of life. It is grace that helps you to advance in this life. The stage of life you are in is a direct reflection of the grace that's operative in your life. So what you do at every point, at every stage of your life, you ask for grace, you pray for grace, you seek for grace. Oh God, grant me your grace. Let me have favor in thy sight. Grace is the thing that would make God to be unwilling to destroy you in the midst of judgment. That is grace. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord spared him and his household. That's what you must begin to ask the Lord for. Grace. Grace. It is upon the foundation of grace that we are able to possess our asking myself 
why is there a lack of reality in the experience of many Christians? Why is there the lack of apprehension in the things that belong, rightfully belong, legally belongs to the Christian man? Why must a Christian die? Why must a Christian be sick and remain sick? Why must a Christian be poor and remain poor? What advantage is there in being a Christian if a Christian would suffer the things that a non-believer suffers? What is our advantage? I've been asking myself that same question over and over again for months now. Sometimes it would grapple me and I would stay with it the whole day. It was something that was perturbing my spirit. Why should there be an indifference no distinction in the experience of one who calls himself a Christian and one who is not. If believing in Jesus Christ means everything, there should be advantage to our Christian experience. There should be an advantage with us that is not with the children of the world. There should be an advantage that exists with us that should not be present in the world. A Christian grows a people. That people turns into a wound. That wound opens up. Where is the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit? Where is the regenerative power? Did he not say that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall also vitalize your mortal body? Where is the vitalizing mechanisms of the Spirit of God in me? A Christian struggling to make ends meet. Every day is a struggle. Where is the hand of the almighty God to which you have come to put your faith in? That's what I've asked myself. What is going on, brothers and sisters? To the point that we relegate ourselves to Babylonic ways in order for us to attain the relief that those in the world enjoy. What went wrong? What went wrong? What is the issue? What is the problem? Why are we not enjoying the benefits, the advantages of being in Christ? Where is the promised inheritance that Paul says we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ himself? Where is the power of the throne upon which the Bible says we are enthroned with him? Should I labor and toil from the same ground that the sinner does? And should the earth yield the same result for me, your child, as it does the sinner? What advantage there is there in being Christ? Is it just for the saving of my soul? 
advantages there. And then you read the Bible, and the Bible names all the advantages, all the blessings that are available for us in Christ. And then you look at the contrast of that which the Word of God states and the experience in life. Something must be wrong. And it is in one of those prayer sessions and inquiries that the Holy Spirit opened my heart and He opened my mind and finally with all clarity I saw the problem. I saw the issue that has been a thorn in the fulfillment of the purposes and plans of God for our lives. And I said, ah, that's the reason. One of the reasons, one of the reasons is that many of God's children, their lives are not full of truth. Their lives are full of error, are full of trial, are full of lies. They have not invested Christian in truth. They have not invested themselves in the truth of God. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Only one man, only one entity in the universe possesses the standards of truth is God. And men have not invested their lives, invested their times in seeking out truth and filling their hearts, their lives with truth. He said, who is the man that I shall ascend unto your tabernacle? He said, it is the man who, who desires and keeps truth in his inward man, who is delighted in truth. Number two, I found out that it is the lack of action. The lack of action. The lack of active response to the truth that you have learned. Your spiritual life can never outgrow the truth you have acted on. Your life your spiritual zone will always be in the arena, in the realm of the truth that you have been acted. So I said to the Lord, show us how to possess our possessions. Teach us how to possess our possessions. Like you taught the children of Israel. Teach us how to possess our possession, how to rightfully claim and enjoy what is ours in Christ Jesus. This is what this series is about, possessing your possessions. Possessing your possessions because they are possessions in your name. They're in this life, they are possessions in your name. 
upon the basis of your of your of your position in Christ. They are possessions that are automatically held with your name on them. So I taught you the law of the vow. I taught you on the law of obedience. I taught you on the law of creation. All of those things had to do with you and me. With you and God. And that's where the problem has been with us. We have thought that our alignment to God has been what is at fault. No, our spirits, our spirits are new creations. Our minds may not be new creations, but our spirits are new creations. And upon that reality, there is absolutely nothing wrong between us and God. The alignment is sure. There is an impossibility in the new creation man to be out of alignment with God as far as his spiritual positioning is concerned. And then, as we go through this series, you will find out something that you'll be naturally sold alive. Not by God, but by the ignorance of man. We've been sold alive. And that is one of the reasons why we are, we are in a constant struggle to have that which belongs to us to actualize in our lives. There is only one major reason why God chose Mpo to record all the events of history in their chronological order, in their detailed way for us. There's only one overarching reason why God did that. And once you, you understand and learn to compartmentalize the thinking of God in him giving us the Bible in this form you realize something you realize something that life is actually the easiest thing to go through the understanding dawns in you so in, in God's dealing with creation he deals with creation from the standpoint or the reference point of two men. God deals with creation from the Adamic standpoint. Right? And from the Christ standpoint. Before Christ, he had dealt with man from the Adamic standpoint. The Adamic standpoint is that all men had fallen short of the glory of God. 
And on account of that, all men are sinners and therefore subject to judgment and death. So God temporarily created a system that would help prevent him from annihilating man from the face of the earth. Remember, sin is not imputed where a law is not enacted. So temporarily, he sets in motion, he puts a law in place that would help him preserve for himself a people. But that law is only for the time being until the reality comes, who is Christ. Remember, Paul says the law was our what? Was our tutor until Christ. Why? In order for him to preserve his seed. So when Christ comes, God was in Christ reconciling the world and not imputing their sins against them. So in Christ, now God deals with the whole of humanity. So before Jesus, God had a set of eyes through which he saw men. After Jesus, he had a new set of eyes through which he saw men. Same God, but different perception. Same God, but different way of seeing. The blood of Jesus gave God new eyes. So instead of seeing men for the judgment they deserve, he saw men on what Jesus Christ did for man. So God always deals with man, not from the garden anymore, the standpoint of the garden, but from the reference point of the cross. Are you following me? So anything God does in our lives, he'll always look at the cross to hear the voice that sounds from the cross. Remember, we have come unto the blood that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. So, there is a discrepancy because the first man that God created failed. The second man God created did not fail. And we may ask ourselves, why did this man really fail if he was created by God? Adam should not fail. He was created by God. Because God is a perfect God. Anything that he creates should have perfection in it. So why did the man that God created fail? Are you following me? Why did he fall? Because he disobeyed God? Because he ate of the tree that God said not to eat? Why did he fall? What made Jesus succeed where Adam failed? This is what I want to answer for you in this series. The fall or the failure of Adam was not so much that he ate, he and his wife ate from the tree, was not so much that he did the thing that God told him not to do. The failure of Adam originated from the fact that Adam didn't really grow to have an understanding of why he was created. 
So the first Adam falls because he did not understand the purpose for which he was created. The first, the second one succeeded because he, he, he grew into an understanding of his purpose. That's why throughout his life, you find him saying for this purpose, for this cause, for this reason, he was, he was complete in his understanding of what he came to do. He ate, he disobeyed God because he had no understanding of his purpose. Notice, the first thing God said to Adam was what? Have dominion, subdue all those things. That was the first thing God said to him. And he said that to him in creation. I don't want you to be confused about the positioning of the creation of man and the forming of man. Don't be confused to think that that is, that is a separate experience in the sense that it happened at different times. Because uh, uh, the theology of today's Christianity supposes that Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 are two distinct experiences, which is very wrong. I used to think like that until I realized that it can't be. So they said, no, in Genesis chapter 1, what God was doing is that he, what he was in the spirit. Genesis chapter 2, that's when he began to mobilize himself. It goes against what the Bible says, and God saw that that which he created was good, right? He saw it. God saw it. When did he see it? In the spirit. He was already in the spirit. So is God playing mind games? Does God have time to play mind games with himself? So many think, many think those are two distinct experiences. They think chapter 1 and chapter 2 happened at two different times. Wrong. The forming and the creation of man happened exactly at the same time. Remember, God rested on the seventh day. He did nothing after the seventh day. Correct? Chapter 2, chapter 2, chapter 2, and the, the activities of chapter 2 happens after the seventh day. So it can't be right that God now is doing something after he said that he rested from the seventh day. God has been on seventh day mode ever since. Okay, Let me, must I help you? Let me help you, please. Did you think like that, Chris? Also, yeah, you thought like that, eh? because that's the lie you've been sold. <laughs> no, I understand because I used to think like that too. Until one day I read the I read the Bible and I noticed ah, uh, uh, it can't be. It can't be. I'll show you what threw them off. Ne? I'll show you what threw them off, and I'll show you why it should have never in the first place been something to debate about because the scripture is clear what chapter 2 is doing is detailing the history of creation so it is detailing what was happening already in genesis chapter 1. genesis chapter 1 doesn't give us the details chapter 2 is recounting the details so it is not a separate experience, no, but a narration of what was going on in chapter number 
one. So when you read all those verses, you can factor in where and when those separate activities and dealings of God with man took place. So in verse 26, God created man and God formed man and man came alive. He became a living soul and God spoke to him. So he did not do that at a later stage. Are you following me? So the, the garden of Eden, the, 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 the sprouting of the trees all took place on the sixth day. Because those were things surrounding what? The creation of man. Let me read it to you. Chapter 2, Genesis. We there? Verse 1. Listen. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. Then he goes back to the beginning. He says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he has done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified because in it he rested from all his work, which he has done. All his work, which he had done. Right? Yes, had created, which God had created and made. Verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This, in other words, whatever he's going to recount now is the history. It's simple when you see that. This is the history of the heavens and the when they were created in the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of, you can see now, before any plant of the field, before was in the earth before every herb of a field had grown for the lord god had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground follow the context it is the history so they take the part where where there was no man to till the ground they say ah that means whatever was saying here after here there was no man there were no plants that have grown no don't lie to yourself it is the history so the history means a recount, a narration. So chapter 2 provides us with what? The details of what took place in chapter 1. Specifically on day 6. So the first thing Adam heard when he woke up was what? Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply subdue the earth and have dominion over the fish of the sea the birds of the air and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the face of the earth have dominion over it then after god said that he did what he put them in the garden so when you fit day six with chapter two you realize it's all concur con concurrent it is all concurrent. So, the reason why I, I wanted to explain that to you was so that you don't get confused when you read chapter 2 of Genesis. You don't get confused at all when you read chapter 2 of Genesis because it is not separate experiences. It is one 
the other providing us with the details that are not provided for us in chapter 1. Understood? So Adam falls. So God commands the man that he put in the garden, say, around every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Remember, there is the tree of life in the garden. And there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tells us that the presence of good and evil in creation was already there. Because God had planted, a, had grown a tree that would provide whoever eats with the knowledge of evil. The awareness, the perception of evil and good. So he tells the man of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat. For the day that you eat, you die. I, I, I want to show you something, all right? So, fine. He goes, he does, he names the animals. God makes for him a wife. They live in the garden. After some time, the serpent comes. The serpent comes. He addresses the woman, not the man. Both the man and the woman are with the serpent. The man is quiet throughout that conversation. While the serpent is talking to the woman, the serpent is quiet. I mean, Adam is quiet. The serpent is talking to the woman. Did God really say, you shall not eat? Number one, you are noticing something. You are noticing the, the, the ignorance of Adam. You are witnessing a man who does not understand his purpose for living. Because right there and there, the creature for which Adam was created was speaking to his own woman and he did nothing. Did God really say, the day you shall eat, you shall die? The woman starts saying some stuff also. Not only did he say we must not eat it, we must not even touch and look on it. Mm. The serpent says, it is not so. Now, notice, it is foreign information. It is the first time we see someone, Maradoska Brakitakaya, is the first time we see someone, we see someone arguing with God. First time we see somebody negating what God has said. At that point in time, there was no one who had ever counterparted or counteracted what God had said. God said, the day you eat, you die. Then there's another entity saying, no, God is lying. God is lying. Who in creation up to that point has ever went against what God has said? No one. No one, not even creation itself. So Adam could have discerned that this is a this is a foreign entity, but he's quiet. I'm gonna show you something. He's quiet, he doesn't say anything. The serpent continues to speak. He says, For God knows that the day you eat, you shall become like him, knowing good and evil. Then the woman began to see the tree pleasant for food and good to the eyes. Why was it so easy, Chris, for Satan to regard the woman? It did not take time. The woman didn't respond to Satan before she ate. The woman only responded once 
and Satan was finished with her. How? Why was it so easy for Satan to beguile? To beguile means to deceive. Why was it so easy for Satan to beguile the woman? With one stroke, God is lying. Imagine they 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 allow Satan to disrepute the integrity of God. He said, God is lying. God is lying. God is lying. For he knows the day you eat, you will become like him. And he started thinking, maybe God is really lying. They that observe lying vanity shall forsake their mercies. There are things in creation, brothers and sisters, that are lying to you today about who God is. There are circumstances in your life today that are lying to you about who God is. There are things in your life today that are lying about you, to you, about who God is. And you believe it. You believe it. Jesus said, you are of the father, the devil. Says, who is, who, who is what? Who was a liar from the beginning? Who was a murderer from the beginning? Who did Satan murder? He murdered Eve and he ate Adam. The first murder took place in the garden. And who killed them was Satan. How did he kill them? By selling them a lie. Now, you only believe a lie when you are not firm in the truth. You only believe a lie when you are not fixed, when you are not established in the truth. It is easy to be deceived in a lie when, when you are not firm on the truth. So the thing that tells us that it was so easy for Adam and Eve to be deceived was the fact that it was easy for Satan to deceive them. When Eve ate, the Bible says she gave to her husband who was with her. And he ate also. He ate also. They did the thing that they agree to God, they will not do. We are talking about possession of possessing of possessions. They did the, the, the thing that they said to God, they will not do. They ate. When the serpent came, he did not talk to them about the tree of life. What was so relevant or what did the serpent stand to gain in them eating? Because it was beneficial to Satan that they ate. Why? Because Satan was a serpent that understood the laws that governed the universe. He knew that if God commanded a command and they went against it, there is no vacuum of authority or power in the universe. That authority will be directed to the one who sold them the land. Possessing your possessions. Why you are without the possessions 
of God in your life. Adam did not understand. You know, when, when they hid themselves, right, behind the tree of someone, God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, we hid ourselves for we are afraid. And God said to Adam, who told you? God didn't say, where did you learn that from? God said, who told you that you were naked? Who God, God said to Adam, who told you? Meaning that God had had cognition or awareness of an entity that was out to pervert information from God. So for God to keep you out of the promises of Satan, Sister Jesse, God may give you a promise. God may give you a prophecy. God may tell you that this is what I've said concerning your life. The first thing Satan will do is that he will try to undermine the integrity of that prophecy by selling you a lie to believe that maybe it is not so. God did not intervene when Satan was discussing with Adam and Eve. God did not intervene. God did not say, hey, 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 hey. The Holy Spirit did not intervene. Angels did not intervene. They let the whole thing happen, even though God knew what the ramifications were. Why did he intervene? Say it again, Mr. Bali. What was God testing? He was testing his faith. Can he trust him? Let me show you what was God testing. Because the same thing that happened to Adam happened to Jesus. God was testing whether or not Adam understood his purpose. It was not about the tree, Chris. It was not about the fruit. No, it was about the purpose. That tree represented something that God wanted Adam to stay away from. Intentionally so. For his own sake. Because that tree represented the rule of Adam. As long as Adam did not eat, he could continue to dominate. He could continue to subdue. He can continue to multiply. As long as he did not eat, he could continue to have dominion. Purpose. So his fall, his fall tells us he did not know why he was created. Just like some of us. We don't know why we exist. We don't know why we are on this earth. So we live our lives trying this, trying that, doing that. We live our lives in trial and error. We live our lives in darkness, groping in the dark. We live our lives creating superficial uh, attachments 
to this life, to this world, to people, to relationships, to our jobs, to our career. We live this life creating gods. We, we live this life trying to create meaning out of everything else. Whereas it would not need to be so. Hence, we have understood why we were So in Christianity, in most of our songs, what do we sing? We were created to worship you. We were created to praise you. We were created to have fellowship with you. We were created to be friends. We were created to be your sons and your daughters. Yet there is no place in the Bible, where God calls the greatest man to ever have walked with him, his son. Yet he walked with God. God called Moses a servant. Yet he was higher than most people in his generation. God called Moses, Abraham, his friend. Not his son. He only calls us now his sons because of who we are in Christ. But why did he create us? Because God in the in Genesis did not say, let us make sons and daughters. He said, let us make men. He didn't say sons and daughters. He said, let us make men. For what purpose? For what reason? To rule over what? Let me ask you this. In the new earth and the new heaven, is there a sea? There's no sea. So there is a sea in this current earth. Right? Have you ever asked yourself, why isn't there a sea there? Why is there a sea here? Remember, God called the earth from where? From the waters. God called the earth from the sea. Correct? The earth, the sea doesn't come from the earth. The earth comes from the sea. Agreeable? The sea doesn't come from the earth. The sea, the earth comes from the sea. If you ever ask yourself why, and then in the new earth, new heaven, there is no sea. There is no sea. Let me explain something to you. The reason why the sea, and the sea, incidentally, is is, has a greater mass than the earth. In fact, it covers 80% of the whole earth, the sea. The earth is surrounded by the sea and is standing on the sea. Was that an intentional move by God? 
So when we go into new earth, there's no more sea. So there's no shipping, <laughs> cruising by boat. No, there's only a river. There's only one river that covers the whole earth. No sea. Mm. God is never represented by a sea. You know that? Every time God is represented by a river, a stream, not a sea. Out of his belly shall cease. Shall rivers of living water. If Jesus wanted to make the word or make the expression strong, he should have used what? <laughs> out of his belly cease shall flow out, right? He should have used that, but he never used it. He said rivers. You just said sea, and it's, it's, it's finished. Right? But he said rivers. Every time you hear about seas, you hear about what? Peoples. Multitude. So seas represents entities. So when the Bible talks about the sea, the roaring of the sea, the Bible is referring to an entity. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the the sea. It wasn't hovering in space. No, it was over the sea. Everything was submerged under the sea. And we all agree that God submerged it, right? But that submersion represented something. Now I have your attention. When God created angels, angels are a different species, a different make from men, right? When God created angels, He created angels with the idea that they would what? They would be His servants in creation. Correct? Then something happened. One of his regents rebelled against him. And God didn't do anything. Did God ever do anything? God didn't do anything. You, you know who did something? Who did? Michael. Right? When Satan rebelled with a third of the angels, a third is a lot. The third of the angels that fell are greater in number than the humans that exist on them. So Satan must have been powerful, right? So when when that had happened, did God stand up? Did God say anything? Who stood up? Michael. And the Bible says the Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels and then something strange was saved and there was no place found for them in heaven anymore and you follow me so heaven is the abode of spirits angels and heavenly creatures exist in the heavens in the place called the heavens so the heavens are to angels what earth is to humans <coughs> I, I, I follow me. The systems are different in terms of 
the, the nature. They are spirits. Men are spirits encased in physical bodies. So the earth is a localized or a physical geography that the spirit is. But to the spirits, the heavens are a physical geography. It's not spirit like mm. we think is spirit. It's only spirit because of our soul. Are you following me? So when there was no place, no place. Remember, Satan is a spirit. And his place is where, Sister Jessica? In the heavens. So no place was found for him in heaven anymore. Why? Michael and his angels finished him. They were cast down. Where? But the earth is not a place for devils. It's not a place for spirits without bodies. So the, he, his first entry into the earth was illegal. Man was created for, I mean, earth was created for man to be inhabited by men and physical creatures. You're following me now, right? Amen. So, no place was found for him in heaven. Who dealt with him in heaven? Uh, but Michael can follow Satan to earth, can he? Michael's station is in the heavens. So Michael has no authority on earth, except he has what? A body. And he can't have a body because Michael is a spirit created for the heavens. So when God created the earth, he created the earth with the idea that the earth would what? Would be populated by a species called man. So when Satan falls, he is illegal. So remember, Satan comes to earth before man is created. Satan doesn't find man on earth. Satan doesn't find anything on earth called man. So now there is a problem, Chris, in the agenda of God. There is a problem. There is a breach in the process of 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 creation there is a there is a red ball now in creation and god must fix it but god is too big to deal with such things he is god so god in heaven did not deal with satan because he was not even in heaven it's a story for another day he didn't deal with him michael devil because heaven belongs to the angels but earth belongs to men who at the time of Satan's illegal entry was not there. So there was an alien on earth. There was an alien on earth that entered illegally. So when Satan fell on earth, what did you think he began to do? He was a spirit on earth. He was a spirit on earth. He was, he was a spirit in a physical plane. So he knew that he was illegal. He knew that he was illegal. He knew exactly that he was illegal. So God said, I'll show you what I will do. You know what God does? He plummets everything under sea. 
Take them generally. He brings everything and, and he calls, he does something. He opens the womb. Remember where the sea comes from. The sea comes from the matrix. Before Satan fell, the earth had no sea. Okay. Genesis chapter 6. I have determined that I will destroy man and every living thing from the face of the earth. And what did he use? Uh, he used water. So when he was going to destroy an entity that was that had illegally entered the earth at the time where there was no sea, he would need to bring the sea, the water to destroy this entity and this physical location with something, water. So where will water come from? Water will come from its treasuries, which are the matrix. So he brings forth the seeds from the womb and he submerges the whole earth. The flood, brothers and sisters, in Genesis 6 was not the first, it was the second. Mm. Why? Because God would not allow this man to occupy a territory that he did not create for him. Possession, possessing your possessions. Mm. So what did he, what then does God da, do? He says, he, he says, I will create a species that will deal with Lucifer. So the reason why he created spirit, soul, and body is so that he, he can be able to discern and perceive Satan. Because only spirits can see spirits. So God recreates. Now, when he recreates this time, he intentionally leaves the water. He intentionally leaves the sea. Because the sea would represent something. The sea would represent the presence of what? Of, of an entity that was not originally intended to be there. So when you see the, the earth in New Jerusalem and you see the earth, I mean the earth in New Earth and you see this old earth, you look at this old earth and you look at the new earth and you realize something, that this present sea is not part of God's original intent. So it is there, intentionally left by God to show us in creation that I did not create this thing to be here. So the sea begins to represent something. Remember, Babylon sits upon what? Many waters and many seas. So Babylon is the spirit that governs the seas. So now you begin to realize. Satan's great, Satan, when we talk about the kingdom of Satan, well, his kingdom relocated from heaven is in the sea. Satan's kingdom is in the sea. Job, read Job. You will hear. For all things are naked. Even those under the sea. Those under the sea. He says every knee shall bow. Of things of what in heaven and earth and under the He's not talking about hell. And it's to, because there is, there is heaven has what? Heaven has entities that live there. 
Earth has entities that live there. Under the earth is the sea. So there are creatures, there are species under the sea. Though all, most of them are under there. They run the kingdom from the sea. So the sea represents something. Represents the presence of Satan on earth. So God says, let us make me in our own possessing the positions. So the first thing man must come to grow into is his purpose for existence. Why you exist, mama? Why you exist, Upo? Why God put you in that family? Why God put you in that city? Why God put you in that workplace? No, it's not so that you can work. It's not so that you can get bonuses. not so that you can get increased. No, so that you can progress your career. No, there's a purpose. Because at every locality on earth, there is an entity that is illegally present. Possessing your possessions. So Satan knew that he stood to gain something if the man ate. Because the man was Adam. Adam was the authority of the earth. If you had a problem on earth, you'd go to Adam. You'd have to find your way, make your way from wherever you are to the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was the headquarters of the earth. That's where the authority of the earth was embedded on a man. Satan, he, he knew this thing. He saw it that if I am going to rule this earth, if I am going to have authority on this earth, if I'm going to do what I want on this earth, I must treat this man, I must deal with this man. So Satan gave Adam a dealing that would transfer his power to Satan. Now you notice one thing. He did not fall because he did. He fell because he did not understand the purpose to which you were created. He was created to deal with the devil. You, you are a Christian. Your purpose for living, your purpose, your calling, your gifting your talents, all these things are designed and spearheaded for one thing, to deal with the devil. If you will not deal, if you can't deal with the devil, if you won't deal with the devil, there is no way you can possess your possessions. The devil is the first place to deal with. When Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us when the Spirit of God came upon him, he did not anoint him, he came on him. Acts chapter 10, Bible tells us how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Notice, the Holy Spirit and with power. Those are two different anointings. Those are two di different consecration periods. There was a time when he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and a time when he was anointed with power. It's two different things. You can be anointed with the Holy Ghost and not be anointed with power. Because to be anointed with power means you have now the authority to deal with the entities that rebelled against God. To be anointed with the Holy Ghost means you have a relationship with God. You can have a relationship with God and be whipped by spirit. 
So Jesus, the Holy Spirit, after he came on Jesus, took Jesus back to where the authority was lost. In the wilderness. The Bible says he leads him into the wilderness. When he leads him into the wilderness, he meets someone. He meets the conqueror. So now, Jesus has a possession to possess. Jesus has cases to deal with. Jesus has human issues to deal with. Jesus has issues in the elements that he needs to align. But he understands that he can't deal with it except he faces the one who owns it all. The last temptation that Satan gave to Jesus was when he took him up on the high mountains and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glories of the world. And he told Jesus, all this is mine to give. Worship me and I shall give you everything. Jesus says, uh, uh, get thee behind me, Satan, for you shall worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. I hope you realize that as long as you are on this earth, you are going to have to fight to possess. There are from the times of John until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I hope you know that things are not going to come easy. There are promises that God has given you, but they will not come easy. There are prophecies that God has given you, but it will not come easy. You must fight to possess. Jesus knows this. It was not a temptation, it was a confrontation. To see what come out as the victor. And when Satan whipped Jesus in the wilderness, every devil in the cities knew who Jesus was. Even before he arrived, we know who you are, you holy son of God. Why? Because news had brought, had went forth of his defeat of their boss. So when the boss was defeated, it was easy for Jesus to deal with every human case because every human case was shrouded with demonic entities. How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost. And when he confronted Satan, the Holy Ghost gave him power. And when he went with that power, he said he did good and healed all that were oppressed by the devil. So Jesus went out to deal with every single case that was satanically originated. How can you put Betty? kings of the Assyrians and defeat them. You must go after Amalek 
and bruise him and destroy him. Why didn't God just deliver them, take them from Egypt, plant them in Canaan? The Bible tells him he took him on, he took them on a journey. He took them on a Calvary. And they chased nations, destroyed nations, plundered nations. It's because there was something going on in the spirit. When the young man came to fled in fear to Elisha, he said to him, there are many. Elisha said, oh God, open his eyes. For many are they that be with us than they that be with them. So the kings of Syria had some spiritual beings with them. Elisha said, fear not. We have many that are with us. Everyone in your family never ever has a successful marriage. After a period of some years, they divorce. No, brother, there is a spirit that you must fight. There is a strong man in your house that you must plunder. When everyone in your house dies at age 35, they die, all of them, they die. Strange occurrences, accidents, disease, affliction, they die. No, there is a spirit. Because in the same way, angels, angels are assigned to houses and families. Demons and spirits are assigned to houses, even as much as they are assigned to territory. Here on earth, you are not here to worship God. Your primary assignment, you will worship God in new millennium. Jesus will give you a thousand years to do so. But for now, your own is to gain territories for God. Some of us are trying to win souls, yet the devil is revenizing our homes. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Oh, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? Where, where are the goods? Where are the goods of the strong man in his own house? So Jesus must go to the house of Satan to claim the healings, to claim the deliverances. To claim the possessions of those who are, he was going to deliver. Where did God call light out of? God went to darkness to bring forth light. He says, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his food unless he first binds the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. Jesus 
deliver us with the name of Jesus. Father, we deliver us with his name and tell us to go everywhere. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to win, if you're going to win, if you're going to win, if you're going to possess your possessions, you have to understand why the things in why the things in your life are happening as they are, why the adverse things in your life are happening as they are, and enemy has done this. And you're going to understand your role. You're going to have to understand your purpose. You are there, brothers and sisters, as God's agent. You are there as God's force. You are there as God's enforcer of power. Satan is not just going to be pushed back. That's why for God, what God does when he wants to deal with the devil in a nation is that he builds churches. Churches are the restraining force. He says he will let until he that let it is removed. Maybe you are the one that's supposed to take the head center over your family and say enough is enough. Maybe you are the one that's supposed to stay head on against the spirits that are responsible for the hereditary diseases in your family, for the poverty in your family and say enough is enough. Jesus' mission, Jesus' ministry was a constant fight up until he went to get him. What was he dealing with? He was dealing with the works of Satan. Let me show you a scripture we will continue with next week. First John chapter 3. Timidity is not an option. Silence is not an option. You have cried long enough. It's time to stand on your own two feet and use what God has given you. Most educated people knows the mystery of altars. The most educated people know the mystery of conjuring spirits, knows the mystery of attaining powers, aid from the other realm. They know it. They know it. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Why do you think every election year, every election year, you see presidents, ministers going to churches, going to Sangomas? What are they looking for? Why don't they trust in their own ability to advance their own cause and advance their own their, their own plans and strategies in their political spheres? Why don't they trust in that? Why they must go to churches, ask for prayers, go to Bumam Sebelets, go to all Sangomas, go to witch doctors? Why? It's because they know without the aid of something more than physical strength, they won't make it. Look at how many cows, how many sheep Zuma killed before he was elected president. How many he sacrificed. 
power is obtained by political prowess. No. As people who own minds today, what they do, there are gods who own the minds. <laughs> there are spirits who own the minds. That they all shall practice. There is no mind on earth where you don't have debt every other year. I'm talking about white people, the beer, Oppenheimer, those who own the mind. Ask them what they did to capture the, the minds of the beer, the minds in Kimberley. Ask them what they did to capture the gold and the diamonds and all the things in the mind. Ask them what they did. Ask them what they needed to pay. You think they just became rich just for the sake of being rich? <laughs> God says, God says the silver and the gold is mine. The silver and gold is a spirit. God, God is a spirit. So spirits own silver and gold. You can't get gold except, except through you petitioning a spirit. You can't get the silver. You can't get the diamonds except through petitioning a spirit. Look at Solomon. How did he get the gold, the silver, and all the things that he got? He met God. He met a spirit. And the spirit granted him access to Spirits withholding the gold that belongs to you, withholding the wealth that belongs to you. Oh, the, the promise of wealth has been on your family for years, but it has not been forthcoming, and you've been wondering what is going on. There's a strong man you must find. You must know why you are there, why you are in that family, why you are in that job. It's more than just the, the job description. It's more than just being a son or a daughter in the house. You are there to stop something. You are there to break something. You are there yeah. to end something. manifested for for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil if that was his purpose for manifestation that is your purpose for manifestation be a weapon in the arms of god be a weapon that god can use to destroy every 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 maneuver every strategy of the wicked one Jesus was manifested for that purpose. It was this goeth not out except through prayer and fasting. Let's all rise on our feet. That's what you are born for. That's why you are gifted. That's why you are talented. That's why you are called by God. 
No, it's not so that you can enjoy the bliss of life, but so that you can deliver men. God delivers you to deliver men. Your possessions are what the strong men. And here's the thing, he holds them illegally. He holds them illegally because Jesus will deal with that next week. Jesus dealt with him. He destroyed him. But he's still holding your position. <clears throat> Kingdom of heaven suffers violence. If you will not wake up, Mama, in the night and times and speak to the forces, speak to the spirits, speak to the devils that are terrorizing your children, terrorizing your affairs, terrorizing your monies, terrorizing your future. Nothing will change. You will continue to speak in tongues and nothing will change because you must stand your ground. If you will not wake up, Chris, and take your destiny by the hand and pronounce the destiny of God over your life, rebuking the spirits and angels that are assigned to disturb your destiny, nothing will change. You will find yourself going around Jericho for years, going around the same mountain for years, and there's no change. And there are things your pastor will not fight for you. There are things no man of God can, can fight for you. You must fight for yourself. Because you're an authorized legislator. You're an authorized son or daughter in the kingdom. The name of Jesus is pronounced on you. It's time to take your shield and your sword and go into the battle and take what belongs to you, brothers and sisters. Because the strong man must be bound for you to plunder his boots. That's what Jesus did. That's what me and you must do. But this time we don't do it in the way that Jesus did. We do it in his name. We do it on account of what he has done. We do it because he has done it. We, we are enforcing what he has done. We are, we, are, we are making permanent the work of Jesus. Lift up your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our minds are open. Understanding has come. We know what we must do. We must deal with the devil to possess our possessions. Help us, Holy Ghost, to enter the arena of war. Enter the arena of the strong man. For we know Jesus is a stronger than he. Help us to possess our possessions. Ask the Lord to give you a violent spirit. Ask the Lord to give you a warring anointing. Ask the Lord to give you an anointing for war. Ask the Lord to give you an anointing for breaking, an anointing for destroying, an anointing for fighting. It is time to take the horn and say what belongs to you. It is time to be fighting. It is time to be fighting. It is time to be fighting. Now I know my deliverance will come easy. My deliverance will come easy. Now I know it will not come easy. My prosperity will come easy.
brothers and sisters, you're going to have to learn to speak, not just speak in tongues. You're going to have to learn how to speak, how to confront the enemy that holds your possessions. You're going to have to learn how to use your words, how to use the sword of your mouth to terrorize the things that have been terrorizing you. You're going to have to learn to stand up. Bible says God has overlooked our ignorance and now demands that all men repent, turn from their ways and adopt a new way. We are warriors in his kingdom. We are kings in his kingdom. And we won't and we should not just sit back and watch Satan destroy our lives, watch Satan destroy our finances, watch Satan destroy our ministry. It's time to speak out. It's time. It's time. It's time. It the kingdom of God suffers violence. The violent take it by force. If you're going to take what is yours, you're going to have to take it by force. Away with diseases that are killing our family line. Away with poverty that has been arresting our family line. Away with waywardness that has been bringing destruction to our family line. Even if you are the only one that would stand, 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 stand. Because victory is guaranteed you. If you will do what is required, victory is guaranteed you.
Spirit, you've got more than enough resources to fight and win. You have enough to win. Fight. Fight, my brothers. Fight, my sisters. Your possession at the other side of your fight. Fight. Get into your fight. Don't fight and give up. Don't fight and regress. Don't fight and retreat. No. Fight and press on. Fight and press on. Victory is guaranteed to the man who will fight to lay a hold of that which God has promised. He promised them Canaan, but they had to fight nations to reach Canaan. They had to slay giants to reach Canaan. They had to conquer mountains to reach Canaan. Fight! The gods of Egypt had to be confronted. Fight! of all is that you have the Holy Spirit. He can give you words. He can give you swords. He can give you weapons with which to fight and destroy the works of the devil. That's why you are here. That's why you are a Christian today. And that's why not your brother, not your sister, you are the Christian. That's why it's not your uncle that's a Christian. It's not your father. God chose you. You are the Christian. You are the authorized one. It's you who must fight. You cried. It's enough now. Stop crying. Now it's time to fight. It's time to pull up your sleeves and fight. Fight! My brothers and sisters, if you will not fight, you will not win. There are, there are some battles only a fight can solve them. There are some battles only a confrontation can solve them. You're going to have to gain a new voice in the spirit. Gain a new tone in the spirit. A tone of authority in the spirit. Fight! Fight by force. By the strong man. Dear God Almighty, I set a shift in the spirit. Oh, men and women of God are rising to possess their possession. Oh, said give me this mountain for they are bread for us it's time to conquer your mountains brothers and sisters